0: Hey guys, this is Brett. I wanted to give you a heads up. We've got a long episode today. Uh, our guest today is Angie Piccirillo, music journalist, previously dancer, editor, stylist. She's had an interesting journey. That's why I wanted to have her on the show. Um, we did a very long conversation, um, but it's all interesting. I think it's all inspiring uh, some behind the scenes Hollywood stuff, a lot of career stuff, a lot of self exploring, self discovery. Um, and I think you guys are going to like it. So, one, I wanted to give you a heads up. This is pretty long. Two, I don't usually have swearing on the podcast, but there, <laughs> there is some swearing on this one, and I'm not going to bleep it out, so I am going to mark it as explicit. I uh, just wanted to give you guys a heads up, but I think it's all interesting. If you want to jump ahead to the music journalism, that's about two-thirds of the way in, uh, so you can skip ahead, but if you want to listen to the whole thing, it's funny. Uh, I had a great time, and I think you guys are really going to like this, so enjoy. The search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for. And then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization of the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the soul. Welcome to the Maslow Peak Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brad Griffin, and our guest today is freelance music journalist, Angie Piccarillo. Angie writes for some great magazines and websites, including the Huffington Post, Galore, Paste, and Inked. And she's got a great new project coming out on the brand new creative platform Props. Angie's articles can be found on whatangie says.com. She's on Instagram at whatangiesays, says. And you can find all the jams she's currently grooving on on Spotify at Angie spins. Angie, thanks for coming on the show. Hi. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> I was invited, I was lured with wine.
0: And it's I true. Said, okay. It is close to 11 o'clock on Friday night.
1: Yeah, it's like we're just now getting the party started.
0: This is how we do it. Mm-hmm. You live that music journalist life. I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, like
1: set time 11 o'clock. Here I am.
0: I read something really interesting when I was reading about the Ryan Adams 1989 album. Mm-hmm. And you might have read this too, but he was talking about... He was, someone asked him how this came about, how this whole project come together. Mm-hmm. And he said, people don't get it. Like when you've been on tour for a year or two years, every night at 7 o'clock, your body starts getting ready to go on stage and play music. Yeah, and that doesn't just turn off when you come home from tour. You've got to like find a way to wind down and yeah. decompress. And he said that he was home, and every night, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, he'd be ready to play music. And he just had to get re- He just wanted to play, and yeah. he, he found a way to do it and get that creative output out. So,
1: yeah, I don't cool. go through that necessarily, but
0: I know you have the day job and then you go do the music stuff at night. So, I mean. How do you wind down? I mean, you go from work to doing music and meeting and networking and meeting and that happens at yeah. 11 p.m. when they're coming off stage, you know, yeah. 11 or 12.
1: There, I feel like there is no winding down, which is probably sad because like most people can't function that way. But like the actual reason why I started writing is because I have an anxiety disorder. And so I have like an idle hands problem where um, the winding down actually bothers me. Okay um and so the way that I got out of the winding down was I always had to have like a project going and since I went to film school I thought oh I'll just like write a screenplay right like whatever work on a couple pages every day whatever whatever right then I realized I hated that because you don't get like immediate results because I'm also like the most impatient person of all time <laughs> so I found that writing sh- short articles you get like I you get the sense of like I have a project but mm. you also get the immediate release of like within a few weeks, it's out in the world existing and then you're moving on to something else. Mm. So it's like that actually is the winding down in a way. Um, I mean, I try to schedule in like nights off occasionally, but cause I'm also ironically, I sleep more than anyone.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Which is like strange cause people think that like, they're like, when do you sleep? Cause all you do is work. Right. right? Um, But I like plan to like, like, I'll be like all day Sunday, I'm going to sleep till like four o'clock and then I'm going to bang out like four articles. Okay. From like four to like 10 to like when like Walking Dead comes on. All right. And then I'll like, you know, so I like schedule things out like ahead of time because I have like major OCD. So it's like in my head, I have like nights off, but then like, like this week I had no time off.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you stopping by in the middle of all that.
1: Just for you only.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. (laughs) So you mentioned that this is kind of how... That's why you started writing. But how did mm-hmm. you kind of get into this whole world of music and magazines? How did this all kind of come about?
1: Well, so music specifically or just writing? Yeah, both. Or both.
0: Yeah. It's kind of the journey.
1: Um, Well, at the time, like it's like kind of a long story. So
0: tell me, well, yeah, let's, tell let, me, let's rewind a little bit. So <laughs> tell me to shut up. I mean, it's well, like
1: all like, it's multifaceted.
0: <laughs> right. And that's what, that's what we're here to talk about. We're here. It's all about the journey yep. and how you ended up here. And hopefully. mine's like a
1: long, crazy one.
0: All right. So listeners just, um, if you just start hitting forward 15 seconds, anytime yeah. you want, it's fine. So skip
1: over me; it's totally fine. Just skip over me, and then go to what? Angie go to the says. boring
0: parts, yeah, and then you know you can you know, maybe in about twenty minutes we'll be at the uh, the
1: important. Part. We'll be at the writing yeah, part, so the payoff.
0: Yeah, but if you do want to hear about the background, <laughs> here we go. So I know you went to film school. Yes. How do you decide to do that? I know your dad is a musician.
1: Yes, he is. Well, he's retired now, and he's annoying. I mean, I love him to death, but. Um, my entire life has been like a recording studio in the garage. Um, everything is a lyric from a Beatles song. Okay. Uh, like, so pretty much everything I was brought up on like sixties and seventies rock. Um, and if you didn't respect the Beatles, if you didn't like Jim Morrison, you would basically be kicked out of the
0: house. That's fair.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, even though we went through, like, you know, me and my sister went through, like, a phase of, like, pop music and all of that. Bad but, Street Boys? Uh, it was sync actually. NSYNC, okay. Sorry. <laughs> NSYNC and, like, Britney, obviously. But, um, but you know, it, everything was always recording studio. I didn't know, like, when we were seven years old, we were brought in, like, always at, like, 2 a.m., like, random musician hours to, like, fill in on, like, whatever demos we were, whatever he was recording. So he'd be like, I need... Um, children on this one track uh, and I need you guys to come in. So you'd be brought in at like 2 a.m. downstairs in our recording studio and you'd be given your lyrics sheet. You'd be taught your harmony part like seven years old. Like you would have to be like in first grade the next day (laughs) and you'd be like having to sing like multiple takes of whatever he needed. And like and I didn't realize that was abnormal until I hit like 14. (laughs) So like and also like my dad sings like the Heathcliff theme song. And like, that's my dad. Can like, you
0: sing it right now? Do you know it?
1: I know it goes Heathcliff, Heathcliff. No one should terrify the neighborhood. <laughs> there <it is>. Yes. <laughs> I so
0: was that's thinking, my dad. <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier and I couldn't remember how it went. Yes. And then as soon as you started, there it was.
1: Like, that's my dad. And um, my sister sings the commercial for the very first child's, child's play that Chucky's in. Okay, yeah. My sister is the commercial for that when we were like four, like four and five.
0: Full so, disclosure, Child's Play terrified the pants yes. off me. Like, I I was way too young to watch horror movies, but I liked them. And yes. then when I saw Child's Play, like, And then it, like it had a doll it. in it, so you yeah. were like, I'm in, right? It's a toy, and then, no, it was, it yeah, was over for me. Yeah, and then you were like, like oh, now yeah. I can
1: never have a doll over oh, yeah. again yeah. in the house, right? Yeah. Yeah, so in, even to this day, like, my sister, we, like... We when we see Chucky at like Halloween horror nights, we make her take pictures with him because we're like, oh, remember that was your first gig? Like, remember like back in the day?
0: <laughs> and then now, even now, I'm 34 years old. and I see Chucky. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, oh, wait, still, I'm not, I'm not scared of that. Anymore. You are
1: still terrified of him. Yes. Well,
0: I'm not anymore. And I did actually watch it a while back, and I'm like, this is stupid. Why yeah. was I scared? Or of Or like this?
1: Bride of Chucky? You're like, what? no, those
0: ones are dumb. It's just the like, original, what? like the pre-blown up Chucky. Yeah. But when I see him, it's like, ah, oh, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, no, I'm good. He's
1: still scary, but. She she, so she sings that, but like I had no idea that musician life, I thought everyone's dad did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like when people would be like, oh, we're, you know, like my dad produced for Tiffany and we would go to see her in concert. She would open for like New Kids on the Block And I thought it was like normal. I thought that's like what everyone's dad said. Well, I'd be like, I'd be like, what theme song does your dad sing? You know, like (laughs) on like, like where you go to school to share, like, you know, and I'd be like, people would be like, you're crazy. Like what's wrong with you?
0: You're a nerd. Your dad must be a masterpiece theater. They like
1: had no idea what I was talking about though. Cause I would be like, Oh yeah, my dad got this new guitar. It's so cool. And they'd be like, you're like, they would be talking about dolls and I'd be like, this like, oh, I learned how to play a G chord. And they're like, you like you can't play with us. <laughs> go away.
0: Okay. So how did you go from that to film school?
1: Well, I started as a dance major. I took dance for like 25 years of my life. Um, I didn't really do like film or uh, anything really like visual arts. Like I, I did like painting and drawing when I was in school. I thought I was going to go to art school. Like I thought I was going to do like... Cal arts or something and be like a, I wanted to be a, uh, an animation actually. Okay. And, um, but then I, uh, I like grew up thinking I wasn't smart because I thought my sister was the smart one at like, like my parents didn't do it on purpose, but it was like, you're the creative one and your sister is the smart one, you know? So it was <laughs> like, so <laughs> I just convinced myself that I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to be a dancer. Like I'm going to be on stage. This is the one thing that I do well. Like, that's my life. I like it, yeah. Yeah, so, and it's nothing against them. It was, like, they were just trying to, like, encourage me. Like, they knew that I didn't like to read. I'm really bad at math, so, like, my grades weren't the best. Um, And I, you know, in any of my, like, visual arts stuff, like, I took, like, some, like, random stop motion classes, like, when I was in high school, I'd like took computer animations was, like back in the 90s when like computers mm-hmm. couldn't do fucking anything <laughs> but like you know like so I was like learning how to do stuff but I never thought of it as like any sort of career it was just sort of like oh I'm creative like I'll f-, you know this looks like something fun to play with um and then by the time it came time f- to apply to colleges I really thought the only way I would ever get in was if I got into the dance department. Okay. So I thought I would get in with like, okay, like whatever the bare minimum GPA was going to be. I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to aim for because like I'm not going to be the kid that goes to UCLA. Like I'm not going to be like my sister who's like in all the AP classes, like can graduate in three years from college because she has so many credits, like just so far ahead. Like that was not me. I did that. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, and it's hard because it's like, you know, your parents don't do it on purpose, but you like convince yourself that you are something. You like compartmentalize yourself into things. And um, so I, I went to school as a dance major and okay. I thought like, oh, I'm going to be like music videos or ballet or something. I don't know. I don't even know if I really thought it through all the way. But um, and then after a year... I had been auditioning for music videos and I auditioned for the Christina Aguilera dirty video You know okay. the, like, the chaps in the boxing ring
0: I vaguely remember this. Okay.
1: It's like the like like it was it's like extreme sexy with like butts everywhere <laughs> like horrible <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> like pretty bad And so I auditioned for that and I remember like my agent they were always really nice to me But they would be like they would say dress body consciously And that basically meant like dress like a hoe, you know, and like, so at the time I thought like, okay, like, I mean, I would be like in a bikini top and like really short shorts and high heels or whatever. And there would always be some girl in smaller clothes than what I was wearing. (laughs) Like somebody would be like, and that was always the girl that got hired. So it didn't matter like how many years of dance you had, like you could do, you know, oh, I can do 10 pirouettes and this girl can barely do one, but because of what she looks like. Mm -hmm. And because she's willing to wear what she's wearing, she's going to get the job and I'm not, you know? So it became a little bit wearing on me where it was like, okay, hold on. Like all of us that have dance training are getting passed over because we don't look like models necessarily. Right. right. So, and I was also taking like a women's studies course at, at the time that was like a study of how, um, rap music and rap videos were degrading to women. Mm-hmm. And I had to write a paper on like, you know, like the whole Madonna phase of her in her like sexy cat suit and like what that meant for like feminism and like, so I sort of became like turned off where I'd be like, okay, I'm auditioning for these videos where I'm, I am the object. Like I'm like writing about being objectified and like all these horrible things that I don't want to be, but yeah, I'm like participating in this like bizarre way. Right. Right. And so then like, you know, when you audition, there's like a table of, you know, like usually the director, the choreographer, whoever, and they were usually all men and, you know, they'd just be sitting there and they, they would line you up based on like what ethnicity you were. And they would, you know, like, oh, we don't want white girls or we don't want blonde girls or whoever, you know, I mean, it was, it was just horrible. And so I just, in my mind was like, I want to be on the other side of the table I want to be over there. I want to be the person that's making the decisions because I feel like I would make better decisions. Like I would pick the girls who can actually dance, you know? So in that whole process, I had like an Elle Woods moment where I had an ex-boyfriend who told me I wasn't smart enough to like, like I said, oh, don't tell anyone, but I want to be a film major. And he was like, oh, sweetie, you're not smart enough for that. Like you should just stick to like running around in crop tops and, like, being cute, you know? Oh, jeez. And I, so I was, like, super offended by that because I'm, like, you know, 19 and, like, finding my, like, feminism, like, you know, realizing that, you know, you what I was doing was, like, yeah, wrong. You woke. Yeah, you Yeah, so I was just, like... So I broke up with him, dropped the agency, and was, like, convinced. I'm, like, I'm going to film school. Like, I don't care. Like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Like, whatever. So applied to the film department and got in and like we were the first year that they finally started evening things out in terms of like girls and boys because it was traditionally like 90 percent male okay so i don't know but so they let me in either way yeah either way i was there and um and i did three years of film school and it was all boys and i wore pink every day and like tried to piss them off just because they were boys and film boys are, like, the worst kind of boys. Like, they're very, like, opinionated and um, think that they're all geniuses. so okay. uh, and, and, like, at least the group of boys that I was with, they were very, like, chauvinist. So there was a very, like, there was an air of, like, them being better than the girls in the class. Mm-hmm. So it just made me, like, more of an asshole because it made me want to be, like, you know, we're just as talented as you are. You know, like, we belong here. Right. So...
0: Which I don't. I, don't I, was, I mean, I have two daughters, so I mean, I'm yeah. I'm all about that. I don't understand that whole thing. I don't understand yeah, why I'm, why that's a thing at all. Women can't be this or that. I I don't I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like if you're strong, you come off as a bitch, you know. Right. When really it's just like like I always look at like people like J Lo, where like people look at her. And they think, oh, she's a bitch, you know, she's she's mean and whatever. And it's like, no, I think she's just a smart businesswoman, as in in is in charge of her career, right? And like is making decisions like on behalf of her brand. And then people turn that around into like, oh, she's a bitch, right? So it's like any of us who come off as like strong people, they're just always going to say that, right? You know, and it's it's kind of shitty. It's like kind of not fair.
0: Do you remember there being? you know, that one thing that got you into film in the first place, like was there, I mean, I talked about this with my buddy, Ed, the mm-hmm. editor from a couple episodes a while mm-hmm. back, but for me, it like right before college, I saw the game by David Fincher and American beauty and then went to college oh, and American saw for and, oh, Requiem for a dream and, and your boy, Jared, Leto. Jared your boy yes. and, um, being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And like, at that point it was like, What are the weirdest films that we can go find to watch? This is amazing that people can tell stories like this.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, it's, it actually started in high school. Like I had seen, um, I saw this amazing movie. It's called October sky. Do you know October sky? I don't know. Uh, it's Jake Gyllenhaal when he's 16 and it's based on a true story about, um, these boys who I think they're in West Virginia and they thought that they were like, going to grow up to be coal miners like their fathers and instead they um they learned to build rockets and they ended up being like the first generation of like nasa scientists mm. so it takes place in the 60s okay um but it's based on a book and it's a true story and so when i was like 15 or 16 i saw that movie and i went and i got the book and me like not being the like bookworm like reading a book was like weird for me mm. um so i had started in high school where i was I read the book and then I read the screenplay because I wanted to understand like how it was translated, Mm -hmm. like how you would do an adaptation, even though I didn't know that was what that was at the time. Um, So that was what started it. But I kind of kept it a secret. Like I loved horror movies. I've actually seen every single Halloween movie ever made, like all the Michael Myers movies. I've seen like all the stupid ones in between and Mm -hmm. like... H2O. The one that
0: doesn't like, have Michael Myers in it. Yes. That's 3. The one that's right? like a
1: random pumpkin and a yeah, witch. Yeah. That's
0: three, 3, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's like I I I had like dabbled in it in high school, but I didn't again, like didn't think I was smart enough to like do that, you know? And I hadn't discovered that I could write yet. Like it was sort of like you know, like a like a wishful thinking thing, you know? Yeah. Like and then like once, I think once I was like I don't know Later years of high school, I sort of realized that like I could put words together and mm-hmm. actually like people would be like, "Oh, this poem that you wrote is really great," and I'd be like, "Really?" Like,
0: but I'm not the smart one.
1: Yeah, but I'm not the smart one. Like, I don't, I don't do this, you know. So
0: no, I, I, uh, I love horror movies. I always have. There's something about, you know, why, why is this scary? Like, mm-hmm. what is it about this that's making me feel uncomfortable? You know, and I've, I've always been into that, and I like to throw it in people's face when they. Especially people that talk about hip hop, like I love hip hop, Uh you know, and people like, oh, it's so, you know, violent or misogynistic or whatever. And it's like, well, have you ever seen a horror movie? They say, well, yeah. It's like, do you think the director should be in prison? Yeah. You're like, same, same thing. (laughs) That's kind of the same thing, guys. Well, no, that's not the same thing. It's like, like no, actually the horror movie is worse because it's visual, you know? And there's like boobs usually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like watch the first scream and listen to the rules. You know, like the girl with the big boobs is running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Always. Like they point out the fact that it's chauvinist. Jamie Kennedy's role. Listen to the rules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So you graduated from film school. Yes. Um, and then I know before you started this writing, did you had a career in the film production industry. Yes. Can you kind of walk us through that?
1: Well, I started in reality TV, um, which I feel like is the worst industry ever. Um, it just puts trash into society. <laughs> but I mean, at the time, it was like it was. I thought it was this like coolest thing ever because it was like the real world was popular. That was my first job ever. Was actually on the Real World. Um, I was an intern on the very first season of The Simple Life with Paris Hilton. Um, like before that whole like celebrity hmm. reality show thing had blown up, I had done that and after like four or five years of doing it, realized that it was low paying and they were, I mean, it was, it changed the industry because before that you had to have like a special skill set. You had to be like, um, almost like go through like a mentorship type thing and be like vetted into like, you know, learning Avid and all of that. And then when Final Cut Pro came around, that sort of changed everything where Mm -hmm. you could get a job straight out of school, uh, as an editor, you know? And, and so it kind of took not not as much skill necessarily, and um, which was I feel like bad for the industry because it lowered the cost of what you could be paid. So everything kind of just went to shit. Okay. Uh, and after four or five years, I decided I hated it. Didn't want to do it anymore. I was working on makeover shows, um,
0: like like the Swan, like that one.
1: No, it would be like like home makeover. Oh, okay and like the only perk was like they would be like we have these leftover pottery barn chairs like who wants them and you'd be like oh i'm like a poor like 23 year old like i will take your pottery barn chairs like yes. thank you yeah like thanks so but um so yeah it got really and the hours are horrible right. um it, you know literally like just 7 days a week all the time 8
0: to uh, 10 p.m.
1: yeah i mean like just constantly constantly working and it's I just don't think it's any way that anyone should live yeah um and so I left and I went to like I went to advertising for a while I did like um advertising for films like trailers and behind the scenes video okay um and I I was an editor assistant editor and like colorist um I actually had had like a like background that was like a I was a secret nerd if you will like, I actually have a book on Amazon that's, like, how to, how to like, work Final Cut Pro with, like, a specific, like, uh, network storage system. Okay. I'm, like, Apple certified. It was, like, flown up to Cupertino and, like, trained from, like, the Apple people on, like, how to teach <laughs> Final Cut Pro. Like, crazy stuff, Secret's right? Secrets out. Yeah. Like, and I hide the dork side of me now. Like, I try to pretend it doesn't exist. But... Um, but that was the first time ever that I was sort of like given the keys to a giant warehouse where they were like, we, we don't really know what we're doing, but we have this budget. We want you to build, build us edit bays, like build us a system, like, you know, um, literally like, here's the checkbook, like go for it, you know? And so like at 24, I built an entire post-production facility with like all the bells and whistles. I had my own machine room, like all the stuff. And, um, I was, I became like a post-production supervisor where I just sort of, you know, um, I was doing like HBO first look, like remember those mm-hmm. like, So mm-hmm. cheesy. Um, but so that was sort of like, you know, like right when HD was becoming like a thing right. where like it was really super hard to figure out and like, but somehow I understood it even though again, like not the bookworm girl, like still like yeah. I could understand like frame rates and like how things would convert or whatever. And, um, and so then I moved on to like a, a bigger trailer house, like one of the bigger like biggest trailer houses in Hollywood. Okay. And I became the director of production there and um I was the youngest executive and the only girl. I was like the only person under 30 to be like in the room with like a bunch of like 40-year-old like CEO type dudes. Mm-hmm. And um the
0: old boys club.
1: Yeah, and uh and I had always like, you know, when I was younger, like when I was in film school, I thought like I thought that was what I wanted to do. I want to grow up and be a production executive. Like that was my dream, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm going to be like a a production executive at Warner brothers and I'm going to, you know, decide what movies are going to be made and you know, whatever. So like in a way, like it wasn't feature films, you know, it was trailers. It was behind the scenes stuff, you know, similar job. And I was given, I managed 45 people. I had 45 people. I was, and they were all older than me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was constantly put in a room with older men who didn't respect what what I was bringing to the table. So they they saw me as like, oh, here's this like 26 year old girl like she there's no way she could know what we know. Even though meanwhile, I had been given that opportunity to build that whole facility. So I actually did know a lot. And, but they treated me horribly. They treated me like I was called little girl every day. Like, I mean like stuff that like wow. if you went to HR, people would be like, you know, this is like a fireable offense, but right. it's like when the CEO of the company is calling you that it's, you know, there's yeah. nothing anybody can do. And, right. and so like after like three or four years of dealing with that, it just became, um, it became clear that it wasn't somewhere I wanted to stay. It wasn't a a business that I wanted to be in. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just that particular place. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, it was like, if this is how it's going to be everywhere, then I'm gone. Like I can't, I can't deal with this.
0: And then I know you were a stylist for a little while. Well, so I've had a, you've had an interesting journey.
1: Yes. Like, I mean, like I definitely feel like I've lived the Yolo life. (laughs) Like when, you know what I mean? Where it's like, uh, you like I definitely believe that, like you only live once and I always have like, um like favorite quote from a movie. Have you ever seen um, We Bought a Zoo? Yeah. And he always says, well, why, like the question's always like, why did you, whatever, why did you buy a zoo? And the the answer is always, well, why not? Yeah. So I feel like if you live life, like, well, why not? Then you never know where you're going to end up.
0: Living that yes man life. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jim But Carey. not
1: as bad as Jim Carrey because he's like, the worst actor ever, but I mean, except for the mask. Shots fired. Except for the mask. Oh, the
0: mask! Oh my god, that the was, mask
1: is the best. That movie was of my all time.
0: favorite movie in seventh grade, yes. and I watched it a while back, and it. Has, and I just wanted it to, has not held up. I
1: just wanted to be Cameron Diaz, like I just wanted to be her, like.
0: It has not held up well. It is not. No. Yeah, you watch it now, my, and you're that like, that was, was my jam, jam and in like Ace grade. Ventura. Remember Ace Ventura? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's a terrible movie now. Like you watch it, and you're like, this is not funny. But anyways, what was I saying? What were we talking Stylist. about? Stylists. Oh. Yes. So quit my job and moved back home with my parents, like literally put all my stuff in a storage unit and was just like, all right, whatever I was doing, this was not working. Like it was so stressful. It was not a good time. It was not the dream that I thought I wanted, right? And so I thought, you know, like I'd been interested in fashion. Like I dress kind of weird. Like that's like... I mean, obviously, I have, like, purple hair and, like, wear, like, the weirdest shit ever.
0: Purple hair is in right now.
1: Yeah. It's just because everyone's copying me, though. Oh, yeah. Like, they saw me and they were like, oh, shit. She's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) She's so cool. I just want to be her. Who's
0: that girl? And And
1: then I do the thing where I'm like, now I have to change my hair because everyone's copying me. Not really. Not really. But so I thought it would be cool to explore styling. And I actually went to, like, they have a styling school, believe it or not. They have a school of style. Um,
0: that sounds like some BS. <laughs>
1: it kind of is. Like, so, not to, like, talk shit on them. But, like, I went to, like, the intro class. And they were like, oh, we'll teach you how to, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever. And I, no joke, I Instagrammed one of the top celebrity stylists. I knew it was award season coming up. So I knew it was like, okay, it's going to be like Academy Awards and Grammys and everything's usually like back to back. Right. So I'm like, they're going to need help. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just volunteered myself. Like I was like, do you need interns? Because I'm like willing to come and learn from you, like whatever you want. So I worked for like three or four months for the like top men's stylist in, in all of Hollywood. And, like, n- didn't know anything. Like, pretty much, like, I didn't take the course you were supposed to take that was, like, the, like, two-week school of style, like, graduation, cl- whatever. Like, did not take the class. Just sort well, of, like...
0: I mean, to be fair, what are we going to learn in this class? Like, I mean, it was... Don't it's mix It's, like, patterns, how to, like, like, tape... No,
1: it's, like, how to tape shoes and, like, how to, like, return things so that people don't know that you've used them. Like, you know, how to, how to like, deal with your budget. It was just, like, okay. th- things that I feel like are... Um, If you've worked in production at all, there are things that are sort of obvious that can be figured out.
0: One more question. What was the the makeup of the students in this class? Who was the average student in this class? Oh, like
1: girls who were in their mid-20s who maybe didn't go to college, who had still not figured out what they wanted to do with their lives.
0: But didn't want to be a dental assistant or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. like
1: a lot of like searching. It was a lot of like... Soul searching kind of girls. I mean, okay. there were a couple of boys. Which
0: relate really to? Yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: like, like I get it. Like, um, I don't think you need to spend that kind of money on things that you can watch videos on right. YouTube to sort of like learn about. Or literally, what I, which is what I did, just go get the internship and like figure it, out, it out while you're there. You yeah, because yeah. you will just learn by watching, and that's true of like any internship or anything that you're doing, like any job that you want to do. And so I just learned from her and you know, a few months later I was like styling covers for like LA magazine and like, you know, it was just, it was totally random how it happened and I still do it sometimes just for fun mm-hmm. just cause I think like I love clothes. I love to pull stuff. But, um, a lot of times my style is too edgy and too sort of radical for what people want. Like they want like, you know, the typical basic girl who's, you know, wearing some sort of like, cute pair of jeans and a white top. And I'm like, she Mm. needs a leather tube top and glittery boots and rainbow hair. And they're like, that's not the vibe (laughs) too far, too far, too too much. And I'm like, she needs to be a glittery unicorn and, you know, and, and that works, you know, in some cases, but not, not for a lot of jobs. So, so I did that for a while. I, I had, you know, um, I started a T-shirt line. I was doing, you know, like trying to figure out like if I wanted to stay in the fashion industry, and then sort of figured out that um, unless I was going to uh, have all of my clothes made in China, right? Um, I couldn't have my clothing made ethically, right? So I sort of stopped going down that path because okay. I realized it was a dead end, and if you wanted to make American-made clothes, things were a lot more expensive. Yes. So a T-shirt, you know, people complain about American apparel. If it's made in America, it's going to be like fifty bucks for right. a T-shirt. Right. So I sort of stopped doing that, but I was also still shooting music videos. I was still like, videos kind of always been the like, like home for me, um, even if it wasn't necessarily like the thing I was still trying right. to do. Um, you know. Do you and, have
0: one crazy stylist story? Like you. Lone Denzel a shirt and he got some weird rash or something. Do you have any is there nothing one that story? I was,
1: like, nothing that I was to bl- like to blame for, but okay. there were plenty of stories where like weird things would happen where like, um, there was usually I was always invited in for tea. Like I would go to like some celebrity's house and you would just show up to like drop off like a pair of cufflinks or like to pick up the watch from the night before. and they would inevitably in- inevitably invite you in. And be like, oh, do you want some tea? Oh, this is my dog. Or this is, you know, like, so you would, like, be holding some celebrity's sh- new child <laughs> that, you know, and you're, like, you're just the intern. Right. You know, so a lot of weird things like that. Nothing that I ever got, like, seriously blamed for. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of, like, r- random, random stupid things that I felt were um dramatic for no reason. <laughs> right. So it was sort of like another reason why I sort of stopped doing it is okay. it was like that industry is kind of broken too in the way that there's no there's nobody keeping track of like how much things cost and like what so you kinda of set your own rate, you know. Right. And so you could basically be like, oh I'm I'm fifteen grand if you want me to dress you for this red carpet and somebody else might be five grand or, you know, and there's no there's no like like, watchdog to see, like, if you're being paid on the back end by some brand to, like, right, place right. things. So, it's it's a little sketchy. Okay. Uh, and, like, navigating it, for me, was sort of, like, looked like it may not be a good time. All
0: right. We're getting there, <laughs> listeners. I promise. We're getting there. We're getting to... But you're
1: just going to edit we're getting down. the We're music journalism. No, edit, no, no. Edit we're- it down to, like, the bullet points
0: no I mean the the journey is interesting or that's, give me
1: like sentences to read and then I'll just be like
0: <laughs> no the journey is interesting and that's part of why I wanted to have you on because I know that you've it's a lot a of these one. well no I mean a lot of these things people might think all of these things were the dream job like people might think oh yeah you know doing the building the production place that might be the dream job doing the stylist thing might be the dream job yeah. doing the music videos might be the dream job and you hadn't quite found that thing yeah.
1: I think for it's a variety also like, of reasons, yeah. but in all
0: of these things. And I think people can relate to that.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, though, that people need to realize it's okay <laughs> to realize that your dream can change. Yeah. Because I think people think that like once you've like locked in what mm-hmm. you want to be, that you have to stay doing that. And like some people achieve their dream and mm-hmm. they get there. And then they, after a year or two, they realize it's not enough anymore. Yeah. You know, so it's like think about people who've wanted to be an actor, or an actress their entire lives. They make it there and then they're like, oh, this is great. But now I want to be a director right. or now I want to be a writer or I want to try my hand at painting or, you know, so there's so many, I feel like, you know, when you're growing up, people don't focus on the evolution of like what your dream can be. Mm -hmm. They sort of just say, oh, it's, it's this one thing, you know, like you're growing up and like, what is your major going to be? What are you going to get a job doing? Like that becomes the focus and you sort of lose track of like the things that make you feel good, you know, like, and, and even though you're doing something for a while and you, you realize this isn't enough anymore, but this is what I've worked my entire life for. And this is what everyone says I should be doing. Mm -hmm. You sort of don't feel like it's okay to be like, I want I wanted to discover some other new part of myself, you know? Yeah. And so I just feel like my story is, you know, it's long and it's twisted and it's crazy, but it's always like realizing that something's not enough or mm-hmm. that it's it's fulfilling for a little while. And then I want to build on that and do something else, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I think that that's like the most important thing that I've learned is, you know, going from being like, I'm not this smart person into realizing i could actually do anything i want if i put my mind to it like people say but you know but i don't have to be locked into one thing i'm not like i i shouldn't lock myself into thinking i'm not the smart person or i'm just a dancer or i'm you know whatever fill in the blank because it can be like a run-on sentence of i am many many things you know
0: yeah even if it means moving back into your parents' house and yeah, figuring and, it out.
1: Yeah. And like a lot of people look down on that too, yeah. which, you know, like my parents are hippies. They're, they're more like having roommates than they are having parents because they don't necessarily care what I do. Well, yeah. I
0: mean, and your relationship with your parents changes as you get older. Like they become more like peers, you know, when they're yeah. not responsible for you anymore. Yeah. So yeah. they're
1: more, Like my, my parents are like some of my best friends and i like I don't, I don't live the whole life, so it's not like I'm like bringing home dudes every night. Dude. <laughs> yeah, it's. Not, I mean, like that would be awkward if you were like, "Mom, I just met this guy at the bar." Like, whatever. This
0: is Brandon. can yeah, you make him like, some aids like,
1: like, I don't do that. So, like, I honestly don't even have dating apps on my phone. Like, I don't even know how that shit works. Like, people are like, "Oh, don't you go on Bumble?" I'm like, I don't like, no. I've never like, heard so of that I, one. Yeah, yeah, like I. That's how far like they're the like. DM I don't I know which way I'm supposed to swipe. Like, no clue. Like, left or right? I don't know what it means. Um, but yeah, like I, I see no shame in moving, moving back in with your parents or having roommates at any age or, you know, I mean, I feel like if it's like in the pursuit of happiness, I think you do what you have to do, you know? One hundred percent. And, and, and also, you know, it's like a lot of times it's like I go through like, like what I call like loser mode where I'm like, oh man, like I should be married and have kids and like have a huge house and be like, you know, whatever. Um, but it's hard to like sometimes talk yourself out of that, of like society has taught you to, you know, that that is normal, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to sort of create whatever your own normal is, you know? And and that's a hard thing to do, you know? And especially with like Instagram and shit, when you're like looking, you know, at models and other people who appear to be happy and you're like, Oh, I want to be happy like that. Like I want to look like that girl or I want to have kids like that girl or I want to, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and it's it's hard to look at that stuff and then still tell yourself, like, you know, like, I I can't compare myself to anybody. I have to sort of, like, do my own thing. And, you know, am I happy living with my parents? Do I have any problems living there? Like, is it, you know, bad for me in any way? If it's not, if it's actually, like, serving the purpose, then, you know, you just have to sort of, like, weigh, weigh everything. Yeah. You know? And, like, if it's not detrimental to who you are and it's actually, like, giving you opportunity to, like... Grow and, and move into a new space that you've not been in before. Then I see no problem with it. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we still haven't gotten to music four, journalism 40 yet.
0: Forty minutes in we we've still not gotten yeah, there. I know, I know. It's okay. It's okay.
1: Nobody's listening to this anymore.
0: Yeah. All right. So the styling thing, you decide that's a little shady. You decide maybe this isn't for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how do we get, how do we get from there to music journalism?
1: I ended up taking a random job as a school photographer. <laughs> I know. Another, another twist, (laughs) another twist to the story. I'm
0: sorry. I haven't heard this part before. (laughs) So from
1: styling, I was like, I need money. Like, what can I do? So I became a school photographer, which was actually really fun. Like working with kids is fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be cheesy, but they sort of remind you to like dream, you know, like they, they want to know about your camera and like, you know, like, I don't know, they just have a lot of questions. So it sort of reminds you to be like an inquisitive person. So it's, I think it's good to like, you know, get back to basics, work with the kids, teach them how to dance, do fun shit, which is what I was doing. And like sometimes like celebrity styling, people can be shitty. In LA. So okay. the industry, like people are shitty. So we're, you know, not everywhere. I don't want to be like,
0: no, I've heard you have I don't to, I want to globalize it. I've heard you kind of have to pe- treat people like garbage or they won't think you're important. Like, I, I feel like someone's yeah. told me this before. I
1: mean, there's a little bit like of like shark mentality. Where but you, you're
0: nice, you must not be important. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. Or they assume that you're not from LA. Like, if you're a nice person, they're like confused. Hmm. Like, they're like, oh, you must, where are you from? Are you from Iowa? You're from you from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like some like Midwestern. That happens a lot. Um. So I was a school photographer, and um. A friend of mine who he is actually a music video director based out of uh, Toronto, and he does like Third Eye Blind, st- like Third Eye Blind still makes music videos. I didn't even know they were still together. Like they're I was one of like, my
0: guilty pleasures. They're really That is dude's a good songwriter. Okay, so yeah. my
1: good friend directs their music videos. Okay. And, um he and I were having a conversation where I was like pissed about there not being more female directors, like just in general, or like, it's been this like fight forever. There's usually like two women. Um, you know, I think like that particular year there was like, you know, one woman who directed a a war documentary and one woman who did the remake of Carrie. Mm. And those were the only female directors that year that had done something like commercially. And, and, I was like, I just wish I could like, you know, let people know that like this is not uh, like things are not changing. Like people seem to think that like, you know, and also for me, I felt like I was misleaded into thinking like there's, you know, oh, you went, you got into film school and it's 50 percent female. So there's going to be plenty of jobs for girls, too. Right. Right. Uh, And then you graduate college and you realize that like that's not actually real, that like there are they there are very little top line females. There's a lot of, you know, female director, I mean, female editors, um, you know, below the line kind of people, post productions, you know, a lot of females, but in terms of like executive producer, mm-hmm. uh, director DP, like those kind of people, mm-hmm. they're usually male. So I felt like I was misleaded in film school coming out. Like, you know, like you think things are changing, shit's not changing there. It's not. So I was pissed about it and he was like, Oh, well, um, My friend, I have a friend who owns this digital magazine called The Plaid Zebra. And um, if you want to write something, maybe he'll publish it. And so I just thought, okay, well, you know, sure, why not? Like something fun to do, right? Like I'll just write, I'll write my opinion and maybe it'll matter, you know? Like if anything, it'll just be like a journal entry to like get my anger out about, you know, being pissed about this. And so at the time it was like, you know, I didn't get paid to write it. um, And they... They actually, I, I wasn't allowed to pitch it and then write it. I had to write the whole thing okay. because they had to make sure that I could write. <laughs>
0: that seems uh, fair.
1: And I hadn't, at the time, I hadn't been published yet. So yeah. it was like I had nothing to show right, them. I right. couldn't be like, here's all my like screenplays that haven't been made. Like, you know, like, awesome. Like, you know, not having a body of work is like a pain in the ass. Uh, but so they were like, okay, like, go ahead and write it. And if we like it, we'll use it. So it started there, and I, I I wrote that article. I did. I wrote about when Wes Craven died um, mm-hmm. because he was a big influence. He was um, part of our um, part of our program at my school, so he was around a lot. And um, because I felt like the scream movies were sort of groundbreaking, it was a little bit. Uh, I felt like it was important to like mm-hmm. m- memorialize him. Um, so I was just sort of doing like once a week, you know, entries for them, just you know, opinion based things, mostly film so then school got out and like we went on Christmas vacation and I was like, wow, I have like no money. Like, what am I going to do? Like, so I decided, well, I guess I'll just find a job. Like, I'll just go back to producing commercials. Like it's easy. I know how to do it. Uh, you know, like, and I'll just pretend that I don't know how to like manage people and I'll just make sure I don't end up in like a management position so that it's not, the same like stress level as right. what I hated before, right? So I was looking for something that was more like project based, like where I could be involved with like creative and not be like managing huge groups of people and dealing with operations necessarily. So, um, so I went back and and was you know and I actually ended up doing commercials for performing arts, which sort of melded like both things that I had degrees in, like dance and film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it worked out because I'm like, you know, I, I, I know how to do a few moves. I can do a couple jazz squares. So it like worked out, but that whole time, like I was still continuing to write. I was actually still styling. I would take vacation days and still style magazine covers. Um, it was sort of like, you know, like my hobby, like I would take vacation days to do, you know, other projects just to, you know, whatever keep keep interested, you know, because I didn't really, I wasn't really settled on like, I'm going to stay being a producer forever. Yeah. Um, so, I was just sort of still doing everything and um, and then, uh, music wise, um, I had heard an album by a band called Cardinox and I kept thinking to myself, well, why is this not on the cover of iTunes? Like, this shit is as good as Taylor Swift.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, they have, they have, you know, all, all the puzzle pieces. They have the record label, they have amazing album art, they have all, like the whole album is amazing. Um, they have like, you know, really good fashion sense. And I just sort of, um, like a friend of mine who I grew up with, took ballet with, she works in A&R at one of the record labels. And so got in touch with her and I was like, I really like this band and they're on your label. And, um, you know, I, I want to talk to them because I want to figure out how I can write about them. I, you know, like, I don't feel like they're getting the publicity they deserve. Um, and then having gro- growing up with my father uh, and seeing how the music industry has changed where, you know, they basically, you know, it used to be you would get royalties on everything. And mm-hmm. um, like now things are like total buyouts where you're you're given like one fee and that's kind of it you know, with all the streaming services, it's really hard for musicians to make money. I'm worried all. about
0: the music industry. Yeah. Like we, we didn't talk about that. Well, let's yeah. we'll come back to that. I'm like, I'm really terrible. worried about the music industry. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a really broken system. And <clears throat> I feel like, um, like I don't want to like talk shit about the publicists. Um, cause there are some who are really good, mm-hmm. but there are some who treat their jobs as nine to fives where they come in, they, Um, They write their press release, which is like them pasting in the band's name and their single name, and they send it out to their list, and they don't really push very hard, and uh, they just sort of say, oh, well, I didn't get any responses back from this particular press release, so nobody, you know, it seems like nobody's interested, and then, you know, and then a few months later, that band's dropped from the label, because it seems like nobody's interested, when really it's just nobody knows about them. Um, so it's you know, I feel like because you know we're we're like in this like day and age of where people sort of, I don't know if they don't care in those jobs or if they're just too young and they have no experience and they kind of don't really know how to push people or they don't really know like what what the best placement is for that band. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of our musicians are sort of going like unheard. and you know, and I feel like, growing up with one, I always feel like if you can write a song and you can play an instrument, you are like a magical unicorn to oh, me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like if you can write a good song, like, you know, like, and I don't know if it's just like a weird Freudian thing where like, because it's my dad and I feel <laughs> like I'm like, Oh, no, he's no, like no. A I mean, Hey, to, like, to
0: bring it right back to third eye blind, the four right chords that make me cry. Yes, you know, I mean, that's exactly. the thing. Exactly. Everyone's got those songs that you get the goosebumps and you can't explain it. And it's a it's magical. You're right. Yeah. So You're it's
1: right. so I feel like when you run into people who can do that, it's such a specialized skill set, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. And so it's like, in a way, like a dying art form, you know. And it's like you don't want it to end up being where you know it's just you know EDM music with no heart, no soul, no you know no no anything, and So it was this was sort of like my weird way of like trying to protect what I felt was sacred about music was Mm -hmm. like, hey, like, look at this great band. Like, why is nobody paying attention? And I literally uh, emailed like three different magazine editors and I was like, you don't have to pay me. Like, this is the story I want to write. Like, I'm already in touch with their PR team they have this great album, like, I'm going to go from this angle, you know, like, just researched, you know, each of their magazines and tried to make the coverage fit, you know, whatever their Mm -hmm. demographic was, and and one of them was like, sure, like, you know, we can't pay you, but if you want to write some stuff and contribute, like, that's totally fine, and so I just sort of took it upon myself where I would find bands that I felt like needed to be heard that maybe weren't weren't getting the right listeners or enough attention and i would just figure out how to get in touch with them and find their publicists and you know track up like literally like stalker on instagram (laughs) like hey Sliding into Slide your into DMs. The DMs. Yeah, yes. there it is. <laughs>
0: that's what the kids are saying these days, right? Yes. No, I mean, I've heard that before that a lot of life is just asking for what you want. Like being bold and asking yeah. for what you want. Like, hey, I want to write about you. Is that okay? Okay, yeah. cool. Hey, magazine people, I would, I like this band. I would like to write. Is that okay? Sure. Yes.
1: I mean, that's pretty much how it happens. And I literally have done everything in my life just pretending that I'm supposed to be there. Mm-hmm you know and if you if you pretend well enough nobody questions it
0: yeah show up be confident and yeah
1: yeah like show up and be prepared and just you know i feel like know know what your intention is and then i feel like the rest kind of falls into place
0: so what's a basic daylight for you today
1: well i have like Well, I have two jobs basically. So during the day, I'm like producing commercials. I'm like casting dancers for like whatever, like newsies or like whatever show we're we're doing, Um, and dealing with the logistics of that. um, Super fun stuff. Super fun, interesting stuff. But not really. Um, You know, whatever. Like finding crew. It's actually really boring. Everyone thinks that like working in films really glamorous. It's totally not. It's like a lot of like paperwork and signing contracts and uh literally just making like 20,000 phone calls a day <laughs> and like hating your life and drinking a lot of coffee. Okay. Um but then um I usually I don't know, like I try to time things out where like I send I send my questions or I write my questions for whoever I'm going to interview for the next week. Um, like on the weekend, like a few days before, Mm -hmm. cause I kind of do a combination. I don't, I don't necessarily interview every single person in person or on the phone. Um, just sometimes it's easier, you know, depending on where they are, if they're like on tour or, you know, in Europe or on like, you know, some sort of weird time schedule, it's, it's sometimes easier to just email. Mm -hmm. Um, but then some I do in person and a lot of it is like, I go to see a lot of people play cause I don't. I don't necessarily like I don't get the chance to see everybody play, but I feel like it's a different it gives you a different way of seeing them if you get to see them play. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, so it's like cuz you know, you never know how much like vocorder and yep. and autotune is happening yep. pitch and correct, how many yep. takes, you know, and pitch mapping. Yeah, and then when you see somebody live and you realize like like this guy sounds just like his record. You know, like he's, you know, or he has whatever, like last night, like such a nerd thing to say. I'm like, this guy has amazing mic technique, like such a nerd thing to say, but like, you know, Oh, this guitar player, he's, you know, really amazing. Or, you know, and you're, you're looking at what kinds of equipment he has and what kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it just changes how you see their skill level, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and I feel like that that's an important part of telling band stories is, you know, like now nowadays like every press release starts the same like multi instrumentalist so and so is a singer and songwriter who's been playing their entire life and you know and it's like so a lot of times it's hard to even find the interesting thing in a press release because press people tend to write things a certain way mm-hmm. and sometimes when you go and you see them play Um, or you meet them, or you become friends with them, you find the one thing about them that's interesting, that's like the sellable thing, you know, the thing that's going to make people relate to them, besides their music, you know, because nowadays everything's visual. You got to get people to click on the picture, listen to the song. It's like a whole process. Um, So if everything reads like, oh, multi-instrumentalist, or like EDM DJ, or like this girl who's had her you know, her YouTube channel with all of her Justin Bieber covers, you know, it's just like that shit gets boring after a while, you know, and, um, but I feel like when you, when you see somebody live, it, it's, it changes, it changes who they are and what they are and, um, what they're
0: capable of. yeah, Yeah. And it
1: gives you a relationship with them. And I've always found that when I, if I become friends with them, it gives me so much more like if I write a personality piece, it's like, I can give you reasons why you should like them besides Mm. their music. Right. You know, which everyone's looking for where it's like, everybody wants, uh, the female artist that, you know, they want to, they want to have makeup like her and hair like her and they want to dress like her. And they, you know, so it's like all of that shit is important too, you Mm. know? So you can't just be this like cookie cutter, you know, pop star that everyone's telling you what to wear. Right. You have to make sure that these are like decisions being made by the artist you know and i feel like that's that's an important story to tell because i feel like that's what makes them an artist yeah you know so it's like you want to be like you know this is the reason why this girl does what she does this is why she wears what she wears you know this is why she sings about what she sings about you mm-hmm. know so and i think that it's unfortunate but the music industry fails to find those little gems and little seeds of of things that are going to make you relate to somebody's art And they just sort of make things sound really bland and like Mm. really, you know, this person has however many spins on Spotify and it's like, I really don't care about that. Right. You know,
0: I remember being, I mean, 10 years ago or more and watching, I was at my parents' house and I think they were watching the country music channel or CMT or whatever it's called. And there was a interview and a feature on this 14 year old girl that played a 12 string guitar and wrote her own songs. Mm -hmm. And that girl's name was Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I remember watching this and being like, this is really cool. Like, I can't believe this girl does that. That's awesome. I I hope she makes it because we need more, more people like this. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to me, the career that she's gone on to have, because I remember watching this thing and I'll never forget it. You know, I'll never forget watching this and knowing what she turned out to be. And yeah. it's, it's crazy that, that, that ever happened to her and how that all turned in. And, you yeah. know, you didn't have your opinions about how her career is gone or whatever, yeah. but you know, that, like you're talking about that behind the scenes of why I have to do this, you know? Yeah. And, and I remember she was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm emotional and I date boys and I write songs about it and this yeah. is my life, you know? And but I re- that's
1: her like magic is yep. that like her, it's like her, her, any of her lyrics are like a a diary page from the rest of us where you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, this chick just read my brain. Like I feel the exact same way that she feels, you know? So it's like the fact that you can, that somebody is like relating to you and is willing to put that shit out there because most people aren't, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're not willing to be like, Oh my God, this boy broke my heart. And like, I'm so sad about it. And it's like, you know, they listen to her and they're like, Oh, like she gets me, you know, like, Like nobody gets me. She totally understands, you know? And I think that that's all what people are looking for in music is Mm -hmm. people who, you know, you're looking for things that match your mood, that match how you feel that day. Or like if you're in a bad mood and you want to feel better, you know, it's like, it's sort of like the thing that can change, you know, can change you on a dime, you know? So, and I feel like that's why it's important. And it's important to, you know, make sure that those people are, are being heard, and that we're mm-hmm. not—that they're not being, you know, cut off and and muted by these giant, you know, record label corporations who are just looking to exploit them and make tons of money. All
0: right, so let's go there. So <laughs> let's let's talk about the music industry because I—he's been waiting. He's I'm, waiting. He's I'm, waiting I'm for it. Really worried about the music yes. industry. I'm it's so super fucked up about how Apple and Spotify and how I feel like we're just marching towards this inevitable future of these platforms that are also taste makers that they can put right in front of your face. I mean, it's always been like this, but mm-hmm. it's as, as we have more control over what we choose to listen to, we have our personalized stream with us all the time. It's not the radio. It's not MTV. Mm-hmm. You know, they can put whatever they want in front of our face. Like the industry can prop up whoever they want and show us only the people that they're behind and they can mm-hmm. make it as cheap as possible And they can pay the people to make it sound like what they think we want to hear, Mm -hmm. and what's gonna? I I just fear that what's gonna fall off are the bands, like the guys that are in the van writing the songs. And how how is there enough money for? And listeners, I don't expect you all to know how the music industry works, but you know, without signing some crazy seven album, three sixty deal that you may never see because you didn't recoup your first album. Yeah. You know, how is there enough people, enough money for four or five people to get paid to write the music that really matters? Yeah, like, And
1: to keep living and like have a normal life. I, I just,
0: I'm so worried about this dystopian future of music yeah. that I, I don't know how we're going to avoid it.
1: I don't, I don't know either. I mean, it's, there's a, there's a really interesting documentary that like, okay, Everyone knows my like weird obsession with Jared Leto. Right.
0: Right. You've been very upfront about this.
1: Yeah. Like he is like my dream man. And it's like a weird obsession. Cause it's not like I want to date him. Um, I feel like he's another like magical unicorn type where you're like, how does this person have so much talent? Like it's unfair. Like it's like, I'm almost like jealous of him. It's like, I, I almost wish I was him. Like okay. that's like the kind of love I have that's for fair. him. Yeah. So I love 30 seconds to Mars. Like not the emo phase. I hate emo music just for the record. But so anything after 2010 of theirs is amazing.
0: So I haven't heard any of that. So I, in yeah. my head as you're talking, I'm start, like, yeah, it was all right. It was okay. At, this okay. is war and right, move all right. on from there. All right.
1: um, but they have this amazing documentary um, because they ended up in a situation like that. They were, I don't remember what record label. I think it may have been Capitol in the beginning. Um, they were in some seven year 360 deal. And, you know, Jared was, um, making plenty of money because he was also acting. Right. Um, but his brother and the other guy, the Tomo, who's the guitarist, um, they were still like living like in, you know, terrible apartments were barely making rent, even though they had these albums that were like, you know, gold in other countries and yet they had nothing here. And so, uh, Jared decided to go back and look at their record deal and was realizing that there was all this money being wasted, you know, like just by the time it was split up, there was just nothing left. Right. You know, it's exactly like you're saying.
0: So listeners, a 360 deal is where the label, they traditionally before 360 deals, you know, they got a cut of your record sales and then it was on you to go out and tour and secure your publishing rights and all that. And that's, that's kind of how you got paid. You got paid by going out, selling merch, you know going on tour having people see you buying tickets. and now the label has taken the position in the streaming you know or half a cent a stream, no one buys records. The industry has taken the stance where well the fans are only finding out about you because of the money we've put into you. So we deserve a cut of your touring and your merchandise and your publishing rights. It's only because of us. Someone wants your music in that TV show. So we did a ton of that. So Mm -hmm. that's some of the background. Okay. They split
1: it up into little teeny tiny parts until there's nothing left.
0: Okay. So continue.
1: So it's a documentary called Artifact. And they were in a lawsuit with their, they sued Capitol Records for, and the joke was 30 Seconds to Mars uh, suing for 30 million dollars. Um, yeah, I'm like, that's a great catch. Like whoever, whoever like wrote that, like, but so I would recommend to anybody who's curious about how 360 deals work, um, or any of that stuff to watch that documentary because it, it breaks it down it explains it really well. And, um, and on the outside with their band, everything looked like it was fine, but there are moments in, in the film where he will play the piano and sing and then stop and say, I don't own that. The record label owns right. what i just sang to you right so there there's moments like that where you're like oh my god like he can't even he can't sing he can't play the piano he can't do anything without them owning him or owning a piece of him Mm-mm. um and and he's just trying to make a living and that's his talent you know so it's like you know it's sort of it's sort of like cutting people's legs off it's it's really unfair and so by the end they you know i don't remember how it gets resolved it has like a really like you know not climactic ending but Um, and then they ended up now they're with Interscope records. So they ended up switching in the end. They ended up, there's some clause where you can get out of the seven year deal, I guess. Um, but only under like certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact laws or whatever, but, um, but it's a super interesting documentary. And I feel like, you know, I only watched it because I loved him, but, uh, you know, and I had heard my dad throughout the years complaining about, you know, like, um, you know, whatever, like royalties for things. And Mm -hmm. now things were buyouts and, you know, um, you know just people people are unab- unable to make it you know it's like every musician i know they you know they may be on tour on some huge tour opening for like panic at the disco or whoever like these huge stadium tours but then when they're not on tour they're like working at starbucks yeah. or they're like driving for uber and right. things you know right. so and it's like and people have this thing in their mind where they seem to think like oh you're a musician and you're on tour and you must have all this money and you know whatever and then it turns out like no like this person's like they can't eat, they can't even live right it's like i love i have a love and hate thing with streaming stuff like i i love spotify um i sort of hate soundcloud because it doesn't really work very well for me but um cuz i feel like it just plays random shit all the time um spotify actually like pays attention to like my tastes and things but it does make me worry because it's like you're saying that like it's an algorithm. It's looking at what it thinks I want. Right. You know, it's, it's a robot. It's not me looking through things to decide if I actually like it or not. Yeah. You know, and you know, in, and, back in the day it was like, you heard, you just listened to the radio and you would find something that mm-hmm. you liked. And that was what got you to go buy the album you know, and, or you would see that band on tour and they would have three other opening right. acts and you would buy all of their CDs. Oh, and yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, that's the lifeblood of it is going and seeing the yeah. show and being like, oh, I really like this band. Yeah. I'm going like, to buy their, I'm going to buy their EP, exactly, you know, help yeah. them out.
1: Yeah. It's just like, you know, like a, a, a chain reaction or whatever, but things are so different now and it's, it's concerning
0: listeners. Let me, let me tell you that when you're at the show, buy the album from the artist. Don't go home and buy it on iTunes. Yeah. If you want to help support local music, support the bands that are writing the music that you like, buy it directly from them any chance you get.
1: And buy their merch because that money goes straight to them too. Yes. And don't don't rebuy tickets from like StubHub and stuff because
0: they oh. don't get any of that oh, either. Oh, please don't. <laughs> please don't.
1: There's a lot of stuff that, because, you know, pretty much like, like last night, for example, I went to two shows. I went to... Uh, a show at eight o'clock that was an album release party um, that was in like a weird dome thing with like projections on the ceiling. It was actually really cool. The video was crazy. I saw the like, videos you posted. Like check out Brave's Sound if you want to see something weird because okay. like you don't know, like they're mysterious, which is I think like the draw because you don't know, you 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 never see who they are like I literally call one of them fringe face cause he has a fringe hat. I call one of them the queen cause he wears a, a crown and the other one I call a pirate cause he wears, he wears like a tie. Thing so this his like head.
0: a Daft Punk thing. Like you never see that faces. It kind of is. let yes. see a Daft Punk. yeah. But okay. it's,
1: it's, it's like an art installation. It's okay. super bizarre. So I went to that and then we went to, um, another club to see this band called flights over Phoenix who I've been trying to catch forever. And they're, they're another band that like what i what I think is interesting about what I do is, um, like a lot of my followers are actually other bands that are up and coming bands, like emerging artists or whatever. Okay. And they will DM me links of their stuff. They'll say, we have this EP coming out or we have a single coming out. Like we want to know what you think. And sometimes I will find an EP or a band that I think is amazing. That's complete, like unsigned, no management, no PR, nobody knows about them. And they're amazing songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Flights Over Phoenix is is one of those where they, the lead singer, Keith, he he messaged me and he was like, hey, like, I don't know if you'll read this. Like, I you know, but, he, you know, here's our EP. Like, you know, I'd, I'd love to see if you want to write about us. Like, whatever. Right. And so that literally is like cutting out all those people in between. It's mm-hmm. cutting out. The record label from like stealing however much money they're gonna take. It's cutting out the publicist who's gonna like pitch me some terrible press release that's not gonna make sense to me or not gonna, you know, be
0: relevant at all. Yeah, or not catch me or not,
1: you know, it's literally like the artist just, you know, hey, I wrote these songs, like let me know what you think. And Mm -hmm. literally, I just like, I pretty much click on everything you send me. Like if anybody sends me anything, like I usually do listen to everything. And if I love it, I literally will write back and be like, hey, I really love this. I want to place it in, you know, whatever ones to watch, or I want to put it on galore. I want to put it like, I think you'd be great, you know, wherever I want to pitch you to, to paste magazine or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of times it's like, I feel like that's going to somehow be the way of the future is like, if we can cut out the bullshit and just get the music to the people, Mm -hmm. then somehow people will go to that show and like buy that album. And somehow those guys will get the money they deserve for the, great songs that they're writing, mm. you know? So, so we went to see flights over Phoenix last night. They were fucking great. Um, their guitarist is amazing. Um, their lead singer is like, he sounds exactly like the record. Like, it's just like, they're like everybody I saw who performed last night was like mind blowing. Like Braves, amazing flights over Phoenix. Amazing. Um, but that also helped me to, cause now we're doing flights over Phoenix, their interview on Monday. So now that I, like, know how they are in person, Mm -hmm. it's going to sort of inform. You can really talk about it, yeah. Yeah, like, I can really get in there and be like, whatever, you know. And their EP's not even out yet, so, you know, it's like, that's also one of the perks, I feel like, is...
0: Ground floor. Yeah, I get to
1: see, you know, your music video before it's out or, you know. But, you know, but again, it's like, a lot of times, you have to search for what the story is. You have to search for what the angle is because you know, they're not going to set it up for you in a way that makes sense or that's interesting. So there is a little bit of work that has to be done. Like my favorite things to do are like, like lyrical guides where like I, I did panic at the discos, lyrical guide to getting lit. And, uh, because his whole new album is about partying. So it was like literally just asked Brendan Urie, like a bunch of questions about like the craziest party he's ever been to. And like, who was there with him? And like, has anyone ever run up on stage and like made out with you? And like, so just like the most random questions, like things that, you know, and of course I'm obsessed with Brendan Urie too, but, but like, that's the stuff that I find, you know, amusing because I also feel like it's, you could tell somebody like, Oh, panic at the disco. Their new album is so great. But in their mind, they're like, Oh, panic at the disco, the emo band from, from
0: 2006. Right. And they're yeah.
1: like, Ugh, gross. Right. Like, I don't want to listen to them. So but their new stuff does not sound like that, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like, you know, giving it a new angle and giving it like a fresh face and giving it like a funny angle um, is going to is gonna find new listeners who wouldn't necessarily tune into that because they're like, oh, he's an emo band or he's an emo guy. Like, I, I don't listen to that crap, you know?
0: So what are you working on now? Tell us about the Props Project.
1: So when I go out and like... Uh, interview bands. There's a lot of stuff that I can't publish, and like because I'm still single and like semi down to like make out with a hot guy with long hair that can play bar chords. There's as a lo- one
0: does, <laughs> as one does, as
1: anyone would be, and pretty much I fall in love with like any guy who can like halfway sing or like play the guitar. So I'm usually like ah like heart eyes over everyone. There's a lot of stuff that gets cut out that I can't I can't publish because uh protecting the
0: not who, so innocent yeah and, and yourself
1: yeah so so props is more like it's a it's a mix it's like based on real life but i've changed all the names um sort of like mixed the stories together so you can't really figure out who anybody actually is but it they're it's all based on on real events and real things that have actually happened but there's more interesting things that have happened to me off the record than what is in the article. Okay. And I feel like that's the stuff that people would probably actually find more interesting, besides the music. And I, f- it's sort of a, a glimpse of like if you went to the show with me, um, maybe what you would experience if you were sitting there next to me or standing on the side of the stage while I'm taking my notes or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, and you know, or you're you're in the dressing room waiting for them to like do whatever it is they're gonna do. And like the, the weird shit that you sort of see or what they say to you or, you know, like usually me where I say something awkward where I'm like, oh, like what kind of conditioner do you use? Like you smell so nice, like that kind of shit. Um, their responses to that or like, you know, be, <laughs> being invited to their, you know. Oh, well, it's
0: uh it's donut glaze <laughs> and gunk <Exactly>. oil.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, you know, like I hugged Jared Leto one time when he still had his long hair. And, like, I was a total creeper and, like, sniffed his hair. So that's, like, my thing.
0: Cut off a little bit, put it in your pocket.
1: I didn't cut any off. I mean, I thought about it, but, you know, totally thought about it. (laughs) Like, such a creeper. Not sorry about it either.
0: So what inspires you to keep going, and how do you keep yourself motivated to do this? To get up whenever you get up, drive to L.A., make these commercials, go to the show, get home at whatever time you get home. How do you keep At all rate. this going?
1: Lots of coffee. Okay. I mean. Um, I love coffee. Yeah, just like Stumptown, like just brew yourself some Stumptown and like go for it. Go to town. Yeah, I mean the inspiration for it, I guess, is that I grew up loving music. I I still to this day, I always have so many questions for my dad about how things are made. Like, you know, I'm always the person that has, like, the weird questions about, like, your production on your album. Like, Mm -hmm. is that you playing the cowbell? Is that, you know, like, I want to know all the, like, intricate stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I always have too many questions, you know, like
0: there's a, there's a book by one of the Beatles, uh, sound engineers, Jeff Emmerich called here, there, and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read it, but we have it. He's talking about all the ways they got some of the different sounds and it's, it's really cool. It's,
1: there's so, and you know, and even when you look back on like old videos of like the beach boys or like Mick Jagger, like certain, like weird things that they would do, Mm -hmm. you know, putting, you know, whatever he's laying down while he's singing that or he's, you know, whatever it's, there's so many,
0: I love that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's,
1: there's so much of it that we don't see anymore because we're, you know, we just want to see this like curated, you know, perfect version of things, you know, and you know, that, that like down and dirty, like gritty stuff, I feel like is like part of, part of the process and part of the art. Mm -hmm. And since I grew up seeing that and like, you know, Having to like sing those parts for my dad. It's At two a.m. Like, yeah, it's seven like, years old. It's like you, you that. That's why I have those weird questions. Like, how many times did you, you know, double your voiceover to make it sound like that? Or were you trying to sound like Bohemian Rhapsody? Or you know, this sounds like Santana. Were you trying to sound like Santana? You know, or like, it's like you want to know that like what you what you hear in in a song is that what they heard? Is that you know like you sampled rock lobster and made a whole song out of it. Like how, how does somebody do that? You know, like, like those are the things that to me, I'm like, I don't have, I don't have that magical power of being able to do that. And so I want to know like, what is it that, that allows you to do that? Like what, you know, and I, I just find people who can, who can write songs and, you know, I don't know. Piece all that stuff together. It's, it's definitely a skill set and I'm like a little jealous of it, but I feel like it's something that we have to make sure doesn't die. You know, like, like it, it, it can't be like the ballet cause the ballet is dead. Like right. nobody goes anymore. You know, it's like even musical theater is a little bit like no one really cares. Which so. musical
0: theater is thrilling. And I, yes. I hate movie musicals. Yeah. But I love going to the theater.
1: Yes, because they're two—they're two different mediums. The
0: stakes, you know, the fact yeah. that this could all go wrong at any moment, and it's—we're yeah. walking the edge of this and knife. And tap dancing. And these people are dancing and singing at the same time. it's—it's yes. it's, it's thrilling. And they're memorizing
1: all of their lines, and like, like there are no like do overs. Right.
0: It's it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But I don't want it to be a dying art. I don't want it to be. I also am like, I kind of secretly hate EDM. Like I try to like it. Some of it's um, good, but
0: a lot of it's crap. Yeah, I mean, like, there's
1: there's like a couple artists that I'm like, okay, like you know, this is good, but there's a lot that's not good. <laughs> and I and I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm gonna download some software and make some EDM
0: tunes. I remember I had a friend. I mean, this is almost ten years ago now, but they went and saw Justice, and <laughs> she was like. You know, what was funny is that it was different than the records, like the way they chopped things together and sampled it and everything. It was different. I said, well, yeah, they had to prove to you that they didn't just press play and dance around.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's always my confusion with EDM is it's like, you know, you have a laptop, like, are you just playing your... Spotify playlist up there, yeah. like, or or did you pre mix this and you oh, just yeah. hit play and oh, you're yeah. just dancing up there, like? Or
0: DJs, are you mixing this together, or is whoever made this mixed it together? Right, and you're pressing play. Yeah, right. it's like, it's cause, tough
1: because you look at like okay, like Paris Hilton. I have like a love hate thing with her just because like I she DJs right, right. That's what I mean. So sh- she's a DJ, and you're like, but is she? You know, like, did she actually? B-
0: Show us the crates, Paris. Yeah, Show us the crates. Exactly. So Touch it's the like, records.
1: Like you see her with her headphones on and her laptop and like looking like she's doing it, but like did somebody just like coach her on how to do that? Or like she paid someone off to like, you know, like just like ghost record all of her stuff and like hand it over, you know? Like,
0: I hope that's really... the next I hope that's the next great renaissance is people touching the records. I hope that comes back.
1: Yeah, like I don't know. I just I sort of wish the EDM would like I don't know. I don't wish it would die, but I wish it would be less popular because yeah. I'm definitely like all about the rock music. I'm like, play me a good guitar solo. Like, stop with this like your your sample with your you know like. Agreed. It's, it's making me tired. Agreed. <laughs> you hate EDM? Do you? No, let's no. Let's interview no, Brett s- for a second. No, Do some, you of hate it, EDM no music, some of it. No, some of it is really
0: good. Some of it is really good, and um, I really a like lot the. Of it's uh, really bad. I I I can't say I've listened to a ton of it, but there are some that you know, they hit those four right chords and I, there's that one song and this is going to sound corny, but that, that Swedish house mafia song, you know, um, I can't remember what it's called, but the lyrics where he's talking about where he met the girl when he was young and went up on the Hill. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And the lyrics of it are profound. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, the music's not great, but the lyrics are profound. And it's like, as long as you can put real, I mean, it's like any music, if you can put real lyrics with those four right chords, It's going to be magic, you know?
1: If some, if you can, if you can relate to it, that's what it is. But I don't want
0: to just hear the uns, you know, over and over with nothing in front of it, you know? Or like
1: somebody screaming, shots, 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 shots. But that's, but again,
0: that's not, you know, that might not be for me. Like, that's not what I'm out to do, but people that are out to have a good time and dance and, and, you know, they don't care what it's, they don't care what it's saying because they're just out to have a good time. That's okay. You know, you
1: don't want like a level of sophistication to die because EDM is like oversimplifying. Yeah. And I have a, you know? I have a
0: good friend that's an EDM uh, DJ and producer and he puts his own flair in it. He's, um, yeah. he's a Salvadorian and Spanish and he puts his Latin flair into hey. it. And it's cool. I mean, yeah. it's cool. You know, it's cool to see him do it. Eddie, I know you're listening. Thanks, man. <laughs> but some of it is not good. You know, some of it is not good. You yeah. Know? There's um, a
1: lot that's not good, but there's also a lot of, you know, rock music that's not good. You know, there's a lot of it, but it's also some like, of the crossover
0: stuff is really good like that. One uh I think it's Zed with Hayley Williams. Oh yeah. And she's killing it on yeah. that song, you know, and it's I it's, like
1: Zed. I like Martin Garrix. I like um
0: Who did we see that open for Lady Gaga, Madeon. He was really good. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was really good. Just some young kid up there yeah. with his laptop and or, he um, he killed it.
1: Porter Robinson's really cool. Um I mean there's a lot that's yeah. like, you know, I mean but like Porter Robinson's doing like anime films with his, you know, like his his music is like the score to anime like short anime films. Right. So it's like oh it's like a whole other level of EDM. But you know, it's it's not just like somebody playing a sample on a keyboard over and over again.
0: So people can go to Spotify, type in what Angie spins, they can get your playlist, but anything you really want people to know about. Any bands, records, anything uh, you really want people to know about. Give us two or three.
1: Okay. So there's a songwriter who I'm obsessed with. He's a songwriter, not an artist. Okay. So his name's Tommy English. He writes with Borns. Do you know, have you heard of Borns? Yes. Um, so the entire dopamine album was like Tommy English and Garrett Borns together. Um, he also has written songs with a female artist named Dagny, who's like a, a Swedish pop singer. Um, amazing stuff. He has a new song with k-flay um, that he worked on um, Black Wave, it's so amazing. I super love Captain Cuts. Do you know Captain Cuts? I do not. Oh my god, Captain Cuts. Their name was supposed to be Captain Hooks, and they were supposed to be. Um, they told me they were supposed to have pirate names originally, so they'd be like like Trap beard. Okay. And uh, like so, they had all these different names, but then it turned out that some like MySpace rapper was called Captain Hooks. Okay. Um, and it's just like a, they were like a group of friends who were songwriters. They were writing for other people. And then they ended up with the, you know, a remix of somebody's song and they had to, they had to come up with a name. And so they were like, Oh my God, the name that we want is taken by this like weird MySpace rapper. So instead of, <laughs> instead of Captain, Cu- instead of Captain Hooks, we will be Captain Cuts, and we'll change our name later. And instead the song got really popular and now they're Captain Cuts. Okay. But now they work with like BB Rexa and like, just like huge, you know, huge acts and, um, they wrote that. What's that one song? Um, that like "Walk the Moon" song. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? That band "Walk the Moon." I know the band. Shut yeah. up and dance with yeah, me. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible okay. song. They wrote "Shut up and dance that's with me." That's a great me. song. That's Captain yeah. cuts. Okay, so they're that's they're a fantastic so cool. song. They just I just fucking love them, and they're so ironic. Like they're like all of their all of their like pictures are them like getting pedicures and like in like fur coats, like just being like. Just so over the top and stupid. They're hilarious. Them. I also love Party Baby. Okay. Party Baby's like my favorite I've seen band. you write about them a couple oh, times. I yeah. love Party Baby. Party Baby Lives. Follow them. They're so cool. Um, And obviously, 30 Seconds to Mars, Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco's new album, Death of a Bachelor. It's really fucking good. Should have won the Grammy. Sorry, Cage the Elephant. You should not have won. It should have been Brendan. Okay. I don't know. Like, if you check my Instagram, you'll see that, like, I'll be obsessed with a new person every day. All right. Depending on your tastes.
0: If you were able to go back to the start of the journey, or even the start of this podcast, which started technically yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> anything you would tell yourself?
1: Uh, I think I would say, like, um, I think I would give myself the advice that I was talking about earlier, that, you know, don't don't get tied to a, to a dream. Like, don't, like don't think that that's the end for you because it's not, you know, like, like your dream, you're, you're allowed to change your dreams. You're allowed to grow. You're allowed to do multiple things. You know, like I feel like the advice that people give you where they say, do one thing and do it well. Um, I feel like that's wrong and bad advice Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's, you know, it's too focused on one area. It doesn't allow you to see things from multiple perspectives I think that anybody, even if you have a desk job and you are, you know, whatever, working in finance, um, if you want to be a musician or you want to be a writer or whatever it is that you want to do, like it's, it's okay to do multiple things mm-hmm. and it's okay to be 25 and have a college degree in something that you realize is not going to be the thing that you actually want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and just accept that like every, every stepping stone that you you know, whatever, wherever you stop along the way, it's going to have some sort of purpose, you know, like even for me, like with being a stylist, which seems totally random, it helps in all of the band stuff, you know, like if you end up having to help take photos or, you know, helping them shoot a video
0: or put eyeliner on.
1: Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it just gives you a new perspective and, or, or the smallest thing can be you know, a band who doesn't have a stylist and they need one and you know somebody. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like that's, that's, you know, the biggest thing for me is just wanting to connect people and the friends that I have that are, you know, writers and publicists and social media teams and photographers, um, you know, like bringing them to shows and getting them to meet different bands and helping the bands. Like, it's like, I feel like we're, like this little squad of like, you know, like Marvel superheroes that are like here to save music, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um,
0: it's an admirable goal.
1: Yeah. So it's like, I feel like, you know, I'm like bringing the squad to be like, Hey, like, here's this cool artist. They don't really have a lot of money, but you know, like maybe they could whatever, make a trade, you know, whatever help you out in this way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you sort of end up introducing people that have these like great (laughs) projects that end up happening, you know, and I, I just feel like it's like a way of keeping art alive. So I don't, I don't think that, I, I don't think I would tell myself to change anything because I feel like, you know, it's all part of the journey. I would say never take your life too seriously. You, you're never trapped in what you're doing. You can always decide to change it. It's just, um, how willing you are to let go of what you think is normal or what is okay or what is expected of you, um, you know, I mean, obviously if you have obligations, whatever, like don't stop paying your credit card bills and shit, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to a point you can, you know, you, you can change, you can change what, what it is that you want to do with, with enough, whatever, if you're resourceful, if you know how to network, if you act like you are confident and you, uh, are supposed to be there, then nobody will question it.
0: It's true life. Yes. Yep.
1: True life. Remember that show on MTV? I do. You think you know, you have no idea. You have no
0: idea. (laughs) You know, I usually ask the last questions, usually, are there any last words of advice? But I think you just, I think you summed it all up. Yeah, no.
1: I think that I'm a very inspiring person.
0: Nailed it.
1: Right? I have, like, tried and failed in, like, so many ways. And I am never embarrassed by the fact that I've failed. Because I just get up and I'm like wiping that shit off hey,
0: jay-z told me to brush my shoulders exactly. off that, that worked out pretty here well I for am, him like
1: dusting my hoodie that. off
0: and i'm ready <laughs> to try
1: again like you want me to climb back to the top here we go you know like it's I, and i think that's another thing don't be afraid to fail you know like yep. just accept it as part of your part of your journey
0: well and that's why i wanted to have you on the show because you've had an interesting journey you've had success in a lot of different fields like i mentioned earlier a lot of fields that people you know, the average person would say, oh yeah, that's it. This is the thing. This is what I want to do. And you've reached the top of a few different areas and decided this isn't it. And not only were brave enough to find something else to do, but you were willing to admit to yourself that that's okay. And I think, you know, for our generation, especially that's, that's been hard. Like my whole life, I've been working towards this and I'm here and it's not what I thought it would be. What does that mean for me and you've been willing to say no it's okay it's my life i can do what i want you know and i think i knew that would be inspiring you know it's inspiring to hear i hope the, the listeners think it's inspiring and it's cool so thanks for coming on the show
1: thanks for having me Adina. thanks for the wine
0: yes you didn't thank my wife for that so
1: yes. thanks manda
0: she's the I wine person <laughs> angie can be found on instagram at what angie says she can also be found on the web at what says.com and her Spotify playlist is what Angie spins. This has been the Maslow peak podcast presented by spring state media group. Our producer is Jesse Edmond. If you like what you heard today, you can find all of our episodes on the web at themaslowpeak.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play music or SoundCloud to have new episodes automatically pushed out to you. You can also check out our Instagram at the Maslow peak for behind the scenes details. Like us on Facebook and Twitter and we'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for listening.